You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply if returned to Turkey on charges related to their alleged involvement in last July's failed coup attempt. Greek authorities have, however, also rejected their political asylum requests. The legal battle over this issue has further complicated relations between Greece and Turkey as the two countries try to come to an agreement on Cypriot reunification. U.S. President Donald Trump says he may cancel a meeting with Mexico's President Enrique Peña Nieto if he refuses to pay for a border wall. Relations between the two neighbours have fallen apart swiftly after the American president signed an executive order to build a wall between the U.S. and Mexico. From Washington, Priscilla Half. If Mexico is unwilling to pay for the badly needed wall, then it would be better to cancel the upcoming meeting. That's a tweet by U.S. President Donald Trump. After Mexico's President Enrique Peña Nieto told supporters he's going to consult with fellow lawmakers before he commits to the trip to Washington to meet with the American president. From President Trump's perspective, Mexico can easily fund the wall because the U.S. has a $60 billion trade deficit with her neighbor. With Mexican protesters insisting the wall is a slap in the face, the Mexican president says it will only further divide the neighbours. Priscilla Huff, Washington. Meanwhile, UK Prime Minister Theresa May says Britain and the US can once again lead the world together and renew their so-called special relationship. She's beginning a trip to the US, which will see her address Republican leaders in Philadelphia on Thursday and meet with President Donald Trump in Washington on Friday. Harry Horton's in Philadelphia. Well, Theresa May will address hundreds of Republican members of Congress when she arrives at the Lowe's Hotel here in Philadelphia. She'll also meet with several senior Republican leaders. The streets outside Outside are surrounded by police and metal fencing. We're expecting some demonstrations from locals unhappy at President Donald Trump's agenda. We're told that among the many issues she's likely to bring up are the future of UK and US trade relations. She'll try and secure a commitment from the United States to NATO and she'll discuss working with American forces to try and end the conflict in Syria. Gambia's new president, Adama Barrow, says he is returning to the country to take power days after his predecessor left for exile. Adama Barrow has been staying in neighbouring Senegal, having won disputed elections in December. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Bring in unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Jamming and spamming. Cashing in the clicks. SEO is always in session. Only on Cranberry Radio. Cranberry.fm. Webcology starts now. Only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, 
Here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on Cranberry.fm. It's the uh, 26th of January, 2017, last week, last week of January. This is uh, Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. We've got an incredibly busy show today. We have Cindy and Emily from Mobile Moxie coming on in after first segment. We're going to be talking about Android instant apps and all things mobile because last week was a heavy week in the mobile world. But you know what? Last week was a heavy week in everybody's world. And um, Dave, we've managed to avoid talking politics on this show since the election. You know, I don't think we've we've talked about President Trump, his administration or or anything since uh, November the 8th. Congratulations. Um, I think we're the only people in tech who haven't been talking about it. But we kind of got a sort of this week because a whole bunch of stuff that is going to affect the internet and the internet environment has come down from the Oval Office and we kind of got to touch it. I'll let you lead the way because you uh, you sent the story to me and it is interesting. I don't want to touch it though. It's like gross. <laughs> Grody and kind of tacky. And, you know, I don't have a 10 foot, 10 meter pole on me. Before we dive into the ugly stuff, let's go with some of the good stuff. Google Dance coming back again to uh, Search Marketing Expo West. Search Marketing Expo is going to be taking place the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd in uh, Santa Clara. And if you have an all-access pass, or if you're you know one of the speakers or staff of, of, of SMX, register now with Google because on March 22nd from 7.30 p.m. to 11 p.m., if you register, you'll be partying on the Google campus at one of the Google Dances. I know. That'll be fun. Are you, are you going to be going down, Dave? I won't be, but I'll, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps we can like get a secret spy ring on somebody and send them into uh, <laughs> into the Google Dance to to record. Okay, the uh, the first one I guess is first point that we got to touch on, and I really um I'm pretty sure our listeners know how both Dave and I feel about this administration. I really don't want to talk about it as much as possible. I want to talk about tech, but this stuff is going to affect tech. Number one, um, and this will have you'll you'll see how this affects other stuff later on in the show. The uh, Bulletin of Atomic Scientists moved the hands of the Doomsday Clock forward by 30 seconds from 3 seconds to midnight to 2.5 seconds to midnight, the closest to zero hour, zero hour it's been since 1953. One of the reasons they did this is because of appointments that America's new president, Donald Trump, is making to his cabinet, former governor of Texas in charge of the Energy Commission, which is in charge of America's nuclear stockpile. And um, one that concerns the internet that I think should be uh, very, very concerning to everybody who makes money on the web. Ajit Pai, Ajit Pai will uh, serve as the chair of the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, which has the authority to, among other things, block major media mer- mergers, revoke broadcast licenses, and regulate the internet. Pai is known for being an outspoken critic of net neutrality. Uh, net neutrality is all about keeping the internet open and fair by, by preventing internet service providers from speeding up or slowing down traffic from specific websites or apps. After Trump's victory, Pace said he believes net neutrality's days are numbered, and speaking in 2015 to Google and Facebook representatives, he quoted Emperor Palpatine while talking about net neutrality, suggesting to them, young fools, only now at the end do you understand. So, I know, Dave, we've had our differences on net neutrality, but my skillful skillful rhetorical uh, abilities have brought you around to the, to the light side, <laughs> understanding that net neutrality actually keeps your ass in business. Yeah, you know uh, I want to argue with you, but I won't. (laughs) Well, there's not a lot to argue about on this one. If the service providers are allowed to say some traffic is better than other traffic or more vital than other traffic or some traffic just shouldn't be listened to by the American public, they're able to, you know, to using using price controls, adjust the speed of the web and force you to pay more to listen or to watch or to experience certain types of content. The web was developed to be a free and open environment. And in the last 25 years, it's become the greatest, you know, economic drive driver of, I was going to say of our age, but when I think about it, of almost any age, based on its free and open nature. The appointment has happened. Ajit Pai is going to be chair of the FCC. People are urged to write their congresspeople and their representatives. I'm not sure what else to say beyond that. It's definitely worth noting, though. It is worth noting. I I mean, you're right. I mean, and there's nothing more you can really say on it other than, yeah, we need to be vigilant in in making sure that it is maintained. Absolutely. Um, Again, if you're listening to this and you were 
work in web services in one way or another, your job is at, is probably dependent on a free and open web. Yeah. Another thing we're dependent on the web is security. You know how um you know how it's, it's 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 almost trite to say, but it's totally true. Dave, you and me are the weakest are possibly the weakest links in our own internal networks in our own internal network security. Right. Indeed. Every user, everyone who has a computer, everyone who uses passwords, you are potentially the weakest link in uh in your in in in, in your security chain. Yeah. And the onus is the onus is on all of us as individuals to take cybersecurity very seriously, lest our computers and those of 10,000 of our you know closest neighbors become part of a big-ass botnet. Well, <laughs> you'd think if you were like, you know, helping run the run the world, you'd take cybersecurity seriously, except White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer was seen flashing what are suspected to be his passwords around Twitter earlier today. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, I hadn't seen that story, but well, okay. <laughs> at uh, 8.42 this morning, at press sec, Sean Spicer tweeted lowercase n9y25ah7, which he followed shortly with aqenbpuu. Um, now, either we've gone back to the day of like super secret coded message, or dude's stupid enough to be sending his password around an open internet connection. <laughs> Okay, but now you're giving me like a fun thing that you could kind of do, which is just dump in tweets like like just just mash your keyboard a bit and send out some tweets and wait for the but, world to come. I don't think that's what's going on here, obviously, but it would be fun now that you bring it up. Uh, you may be able to sort of nab the press secretary's uh, Twitter account if nobody's bothered closing it by now. Let's wait a couple minutes, see if something happens. <laughs> I can be monitoring that account. I urge nobody do that. That would be really illegal and pretty uncool, but, you know, but don't do it, eh? Like, don't. <laughs> we miss all the fun stuff. Later on this afternoon, this always happens on a Thursday or a Friday, later on this afternoon, Alphabet Incorporated will be releasing its Q4 earnings. It's uh, fourth quarter earnings from 2016. Yep. What do you th- have you heard anything about this yet? Do you uh, know anything about like expectations or how close you think Alphabet Incorporated, for the uh, corporation formerly known as Google, might come to said expectations? Yeah, they're they're expect- I've read a couple articles on this. One yesterday, one today over on Forbes. Um, they are expected to hit expectations. Surprise! <laughs> but um, we're also expected to hear some announcements about some changes in direction because while they will still be improving or, or, or gaining some ground, there are some loss areas. Basically, they're viewing, viewing it as, uh, or at least the, the advertising on search, as like a, a cap point, right? It's, it's hit, it's, it is what it is, and they can try and eke out more money, but that's not where the big gains are going to be for Alphabet anymore. So word on the street is, or at least among the, the people I was, I was reading on it, is that, yeah, we, we would expect them to launch a, a lot more heavily and, and hear announcements, but a lot uh, launch into um, a lot more focused on their cloud and, and other services. So I, I expect we'll see that. I think 2017 is going to be really, really interesting then if that is going to be the, if cloud is going to be a sort of concerted focus for their, you know, sort of next wave of launches at the same time. And I know we got Cindy and Emily from Mobile Moxie coming up here after the, after the break. Um, there's also rumors about um, pixel enhancing, um, you know, launching into a V2, um, stuff like that. So will they go cloud? Will they go mobile? Of course, mobile merges with the cloud in, in their case. So it, it'll be an interesting battleground for sure. Um, and I'm going to be sort of watching these these results very closely just to see what it tells us that they're going to be launching into in the future. Well, yeah, one thing I was thinking about when I, uh, yesterday when, when, when we learned that Sydney and Emily were going to be able to come onto the show. You remember last week we were talking about devices like Home or Echo, the uh, you know personal assist devices um, that, yeah. that people have. But they've got to be a mobile tie-in. When you're looking at the future and looking at how Google's going to be presenting information to its users, there's got to be a tie-in between Home and Android. Similarly, with uh, with Amazon or whatever the heck Microsoft is going to come out with, probably Cort- called Cortana or something to that effect, there's got to be a connection between the cell phone device and the uh, the Home Assist unit. I'm chomping at the bit to ask Cindy and Emily about that, so it's a warning to both of them ahead of time. I want to ask about that. I, I, I really hope I'm right. What else do we got here? We've got a few more minutes for a break. Uh, another thing, uh, and, and we're going to ask uh, Emily about that, like I'm, I'm so stoked because I when I originally wanted 
wanted to have Cindy and Emily on. It was talk about instant apps, but of course, you know, as as we've discussed, there's a lot going on in mobile. iProspect has also come out with a uh, with their report. They always do like sort of state of paid um, every quarter, um, and they're predicting through 2017 mobile cost per clicks going up 26. percent That's huge. Now, okay, there's <laughs> talking about the losses on Google. <laughs> uh, if we can get the cost per click up 26 percent on on mobile and increase mobile search usability and, and search users, uh, of course, there's some gains there outside of the cloud. But I'll be interested to ask them about that, what they're seeing as well on the cost per click, which historically have been lower um, than desktop. But it, it's going to be interesting because we're seeing a lot more paid in maps and, and things like that. So, so again, to, to your point, Cindy, Emily, if you're listening right now, that's going to be one of the questions coming at you. I mean, seriously, here's a prediction for, say, 2020. Google's going to stop supporting desktop search in uh, 2020, in April of 2020. That's my prediction. <laughs> I got You heard it here first. Yep. Uh, what else do we got? I know we only got uh, we only got a couple minutes here. We only got like uh, one and a half minutes, ninety seconds. So um, I don't want to do any larger stories. You know how the uh, well, the White House has the Oval Office has shut down communications from many uh, departments like the like the uh, Environmental Protection Agency or the Forest Service. Mm-hmm. Well, who'd have thought that resistance to the uh, oligarchy of, uh, of of Donald Trump would come from U.S. government departments themselves? There are currently six rogue departments that have set up their own independent Twitter uh, Twitter profiles. U.S. Forest Service can be found at Alt Forest Serve, S-E-R-V. Food and Drug Administration, Alt underscore FDA. NASA can be found at Rogue NASA. HHS, Health and Human Services, can be found at Alt HHS. The Environmental Protection Agency can be found at Actual EPA Facts. And the Department of Agriculture, those, those rebels at the Department of Agriculture can be found at Alt USDA. Good info. Well, definitely worth following these Twitter feeds because if you know you want to know what your tax dollars are being spent on, which I think as a citizen you might want to know, you ain't going to find out from the official Twitter feeds anymore. So these might be uh, ones worth watching, and I just can't do it anymore, Dave. I can't talk politics. It's just too disheartening. Well, that's good because we've got to go to break anyway, and uh, then we're going to be chatting mobile. Absolutely. And you know what? I just got we just got a note from Cindy from Cindy Crum. Ashley will be joining us as well. So Ashley, Emily, and Cindy Crum are going to be on coming up on Webcology, folks. You're listening to Webcology on Cranberry.fm. It's the 26th of January, 2017, and again we're coming back with a little more after this message. And don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white-label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Browse through our complete library of programs at cranberry.fm or on demand through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Google Play. Don't worry, you can still access all of our great webmasterradio.fm programs at cranberry.fm. Refresh your bookmarks today to Cranberry Radio at cranberry.fm. 
Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Content for your ears and everything in between. Cranberry.fm. takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Web Culture here on Cranberry.fm. It's the 26th of January, 2017. Uh, and Dave and I are joined by Cindy Crumb, Emily Grossman, and Ashley Berman-Hale from Mobile Moxie. Cindy, Ashley, and Emily, welcome back to Webcology. Hey. Thank you. Hey, it seems we had you on just, what was it, it had to be just a couple of weeks ago, in uh, just in early, mid-November, I think. That sounds about right. Maybe we just never left. resident in the background watching and and recording everything just like i don't know google all your data are belong to us (laughs) more than more than all our data are belong to you we're here you're you're in to talk about a new um well you're talking about all things mobile of course but a new initiative that's just being tested by uh google and android now instant apps i would bet you the majority of people listening right now have never heard of instant apps before i know uh until earlier today i hadn't really really (laughs) (laughs) i'm old so Still. They went out in beta last year, and now the announcement today is kind of lame because it's like they're out of beta, but they're still pretty much in beta because you have to have permission to play. Okay, what are what are so they are native apps that run from the cloud. Basically, Google hosts the app in the cloud, and if you click a deep link into the instant app, you're brought into this app-like experience that's fast and beautiful uh, without having to download the app. Okay, so I, 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 why would I download the app then? Good point. Maybe I can jump in and and help explain a little bit how this works from a technology perspective. But part of what is allowing these instant apps to work the way that that they purportedly will is that Google is allowing the device to stream only small chunks of the app. So if you imagine that you've got a, a giant app um, that you used to have to download and, and wait for it to download before you could start using it, um, what Google is allowing developers to do is to segment their app into small, say, four megabyte chunks of functionality so that you can stream these small chunks at a certain period of time. Now, to get the full experience of the app, to get the full feature set, to get the full content, you would have to download the entire app in a lot of cases. But if you're just looking for sort of, say, a test or a quick interaction, there is no reason really to download the app. You can get that same functionality with this streaming service. So, you know, I think that you can sort of liken it to... Um, how how a lot of web developers and web SEOs were concerned about um, rich snippets taking away traffic. Um, the idea here is to give information before the download, but know that if that information is really useful to users, they might actually decide to install your app based on their positive experience with the small chunk. So it could be like a teaser, but at the same time, they're also pushing to have app experiences and app developers um, really get better at compressing the code. For instance, this week there's been articles about native apps that include AMP, um, and that might make the instant apps, it might mean that more can be included in less less file size. Yeah, in fact... On the on the preparedness 
side of things, one of the things that Google is asking developers to do before they start approaching changing their app to be instant appable, say, um, is to downsize their their APK, to downsize their the package that they're sending to the Google Play Store in general. So they're asking, especially Android developers right now, to cut out a lot of the heavy sort of dead weight of their apps as part of their preparedness for instant app. Now, I mean, I, I was reading, and we won't get into this part here, earlier this, well, a couple days ago, uh, an article on, well, she was yesterday, Google getting challenged for the fact that a lot of times they're keeping people in their sort of walled garden as much as they can. This seems to me like a case where Google can further keep you in their walled garden in, a, in an environment that they can more control. It's, it's hosted on their cloud. Are we going to see a push then, in, in this is opinion, of course, to really make this the standard, to avoid apps altogether and keep people in, in this sort of instant apps kind of environment? Not now, but is this the direction that, that we see people, see the industry going to avoid apps altogether and, and just keep things to a more instant apps, instant use kind of, uh, kind of environment? Well, so I'm writing an article about this right now, um, and I'll let you guys know when it goes live. But I think that there's definitely going to be a push to host things in Google's cloud. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they really want native apps to go away. I think that just like software versus, you know, cloudware, webware, there's a time and place for everything. And not everything that can happen in the cloud can uh, can happen in an app or vice versa, a native app. They are blurring the lines. And I think where they really want to take native app market share is from the iOS market, right? Because they can't monetize that right now. And so they may push harder on instant apps if they can get their hooks in to iOS here, uh, which it looks like they, they may be able to. So what do you do? Okay, I'm a developer. I'm sitting here. I got this, this great app. I don't know. Dinner spinner. Sorry, I, I was just using my recipe app. <laughs> so let's go that route. So, you know, I, I've got this great app. It, it, it's got heavy use. And now I'm hearing that I need this other thing <laughs> called an instant app. Now what? How, how, how big a job do I have ahead of me? So I think that the first, the first thing to clarify is, of course, you know, if anyone is ever telling you that you need to implement some new technology, it's always important to, I think, take a step back and understand, is this really going to be valuable to you? What is your end goal here? Um, if you've got an app and what you're interested in is increasing engagement with that app, um, there are a lot of great ways to do that that don't necessarily require the use of instant app. Um, but let's say you're trying to increase your awareness of your app to people that don't have it installed. Um, maybe you've tried to use uh, banner advertisements on your website before and find that they don't really convert all that well because you're providing the exact same recipe information on the website. And a lot of people don't know how great your app is just by seeing that banner ad. So you've decided that in order to increase your downloads, perhaps you're going to try instant app. Um, so I think that that's, that's really the first question that most people should ask. And most people should sort of set themselves up for the kinds of results that they're looking for. Are you going to be judging your success based on how many new downloads am I getting? Or are you going to be judging your success based on how many new green views am I getting in my app? Because those are two different strategies. Um, but to answer your second question about the technological implementation, the, the real thing here is that uh, Google hasn't released publicly the full SDK for this yet. So you you can't uh, do this yourself yet unless you have talked to Google and gotten the SDK component. Um, but they are giving you a laundry list of things that you can do to prepare. And the most difficult part of this preparedness, from my perspective, is that modularization of your app. It's being able to break down the functionality of your app into small pieces. And for a recipe app, they may that might not seem that difficult. Maybe you can break down your app into... Um, different kinds of recipes and have those be separate packages um, that you can stream to different users. But if you have a much more complex app um, where there are lots of different dependencies or if lots of different screens are relating to each other in complex ways, or if you're taking advantage of a lot of on-device features that can't be streamed, then that's a much more complex endeavor. So the, the modularization of the app from an architecture perspective is going to be sort of the big, I think, undertaking. On top of that, they're looking for developers to implement deep links using the app links protocol and also using the digital asset link file that was announced with Android deep linking recently, um, I think in the past year. So if you've already set that up, you're, 
you're on the right track. But if you haven't, that's something to look into as well. Okay, so um, instant apps and, and modulization is something that app developers need to look look for for you know making new apps. I I, I shudder to think of the the um, app developers who say spent like a quarter million of their clients' money and can't break the app down into modular pieces today. But if you're if you're looking forward to uh, you know designing designing new apps and this this has to be part of your planning process, eh? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that especially given what Google has done in the past year by introducing Firebase, they've sort of been anticipating that this will be a new concern for developers. And if you remember the the Firebase announcement, one of the big selling points of Firebase was their sort of backend as a service model where you could build your app in this modularized way and then you could give your marketers um, sort of a CMS or, or a front end way of editing your app on the fly without having to go in and rework your backend. You could insert new levels in a game or you could decide to make a certain level more difficult for Canadian users who maybe are really good at playing this game. And those kinds of on-the-fly edits without having to go in and directly manipulate your backend are something that that Firebase has really tried to sell hard in the past year. And I think now we can see why. If to enable something like instant apps, you need to be able to modularize your app. Something like Firebase becomes that much more valuable. And if you're a brand new app or if you're starting to architect or develop an app um, from the beginning and you need to decide on, on what you're going to use for your backend, Firebase now becomes a really attractive option. I think the other important thing to note here is that the once you've got an Android app, if you build with Instant in mind, you don't have to recreate anything. You can use essentially the same code base. It, it's like you just kind of plug it in and say it does this and it also does that. Now, I, I remember when I when I was hearing and Cindy, I think it was you on a on a stage talking about this, and then yesterday I was mentioning having you on the show to Mary, and she was like, "It's that Firebase she was talking about." And I was like, "I'm not 100 percent sure." Well, it turns out she was right. <laughs> but, um, I, I was having a hard time wrapping my my brain around it. So for for developers and in the in the listening audience who who may not, um, are we talking really about the the introduction of sort of a, a microservices environment? Um, into, you know, sort of the, the mobile space in a, in a different way. Is that really what Google's trying to accomplish um, with Firebase is the, the ability to, as you say, sort of inject or repair or make changes into one segment of, of a piece or, or of the whole app without actually having to rebuild the whole thing, sort of moving from a monolithic structure to a microservice-based structure? Yeah, I think that that's part of it, but I don't think that that's the crux of it. They want to make... Uh, native apps more um, more modular, like Emily was saying, so that they're easier to piece apart and introduce in a multi-platform setting that may necess not necessarily have a browser. So, for instance, Google Home. Um, if you have little tidbits of, of things like your recipe app, the Google Home can access and understand it from the cloud uh, without having to have a browser um, and can read you the, the recipe, right? So, so part of the, this big article that I'm working on is the distancing between um, the content that Google is pushing developers to create now and the old-fashioned URL um, organization method. I think when we talk about this is somewhat different, but somewhat similar. When we talk about mobile-first indexing uh, that Google has announced, uh, mobile-first indexing is is about a difference in the organization of the index rather than is it in the index or not. It's about how are things organized, and I think the difference is the organizing principle is no longer going to be the URL. And to make that happen, things have to be chunked. They have to live in the cloud um, and have schema describing them or other microformats um, and, and stuff that's easier to crawl um, or, or just ingest uh, available. So will this be easier then? I, I mean, you're, you're talking about schema and, and, and talking about using microformats. 
okay, I'm going to put on my, my old school affiliate hat from like a decade ago and go, will this be easier to game? Like if Google's showing and, and the prevalence is starting to show apps in, in search results and we're using data that isn't necessarily visible within the app to define what it is, will it actually be easier to game the system through the use of, of microdata and, and, and similar? Yeah, I mean, potentially technology? everything that, that comes out that's new is easy to game for a little while um, because they're still figuring it out and they, they at least historically, have wished for the best um, and, and put in the safeguards later when they launch things. So I think, yeah, potentially it's gameable. But remember... They're, without URLs, they're decreasing the reliance on a crawl. So they know exactly when you've updated stuff, if they're hosting it in Firebase or in the cloud for an instant app. If you push it um, into their cloud, they don't have to randomly crawl. They just have to crawl when you upload things, and they don't have to do an entire site crawl. They just have to crawl what they can tell is new. Well, indeed, and this, 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 if you sort of look forward into the future, it almost begs the question, is there going to be a lot to game? It strikes me when we're, when we're talking about um, working on the home AI devices on, uh, 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 on home or uh, uh, this is the problem with being old. I totally forget what Amazon calls Alexa. their device. Alexa or whichever. Thank you. Um, I think we're. I think we can dispense with the idea of there being search engine results pages or, or ten options for a uh, a user to choose from. If I want a shepherd's pie recipe, and there's a shepherd's pie recipe that's marked up extremely well, and is in a format for my home personal assistant to recommend and read to me, it's highly unlikely I'm going to get a choice of ten different. Uh, 10 different recipes, is it? Yeah, why would you? They'll just give you the, the best one. Indeed. The, the one that either <laughs> I've, used the most, I've used most often or meets my dietary needs or the one that users use most often. So what's there to game? We're all trying to get the one box now. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's something, there's something interesting about apps from this perspective in that you know, I think for, for websites, Google has tried to sort of calm people's understanding that user engagement signals like a click-through rate or things like that might be used to, say, influence ranking. Um, that's something that I think Google has tried to temper over time. Um, it's really interesting when it comes to apps, though, that both Apple and Google are very forthcoming with the fact that they do use app engagement signals to help them understand how well an app should rank within their own sort of deep linking ranking um, system or especially within their personalized search on devices. Um, so I, I think that there's something kind of lovely about looking at the, the new app technologies and how that might help influence some of the new voice UI and, and things like that where we are sort of fighting for that one box is that if they're actually going to be pulling information from these native apps, we do know quite a bit about how they care about engagement there. And they do seem to care about both personalized engagement and aggregated engagement. Um, and so it really, I think it does put the, the focus back on UX. Hey, we're going to have to take a break here, but I, I, I want to, you know, take a look at the future of uh, search and future of um, information coming back from the break. But before we can talk about that, friends, you're listening to Web Culture on Cranberry.fm. It's the 26th of January, 2017. We have Cindy, Ashley and Emily from Mobile Moxie. And we're back with them after these messages. tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. 
at Fjord. Our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjordDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E digital.com. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Do you have cold, hard cash burning a hole in your pocket? Let Cranberry Radio lighten your load. Just hand us that burdensome dinero and we'll get you set up with your very own radio show. We produce, edit, and amplify the show. All you have to do is show up. It's time for you to make an impact. We're glad to help. Just hand over the cash. Space is limited, so contact us now at sales at cranberry.fm. Sales at cranberry.fm. Add some Cranberry Radio podcast to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. Cranberry Radio. It's it's good for you. Really. Webcology. Webcology takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Welcome back to Web Call G on Cranberry.fm. We are rounding out the hour on uh, the twenty Joining us in the studio we have Cindy Crumb, Emily Postman, and Ashley Berman Hale, all from Mobile Moxie. We've been talking about um, Android Instant App, uh, the future of service, the um, home AI. People typing furiously while we speak and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. Can't you, Emily? Um, <laughs> okay. Just before going to break, we were talking about uh, um, how um, apps are and uh, uh, home home assistants, um, thinking of, of, of Google Home specifically, are going to be affecting search marketing and uh, – organic rankings um we kind of had to take a break for commercials if um cindy uh emily or 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 ashley want to uh take off on that yeah i think that you know one of the interesting things we were talking about at the at the end was the idea of engagement-based signals and um and I think that it's, it's interesting, too, because I, I've been reading some articles recently that say that the engagement with UI-based apps is really, uh, or sorry, with voice UI-based apps is really low, that, that the Google Home and Alexa apps are sort of used once and then forgotten about, um, which is really sort of an interesting conundrum. And I wonder if, you know, the, the providers of these services are going to try and improve that by pushing some more services or um, or if they're going to try and sort of reassess how they're introducing these apps in the first place. I mean, I think that there's certainly a novelty in terms of saying, hey, Alexa, or hey, Google, call me an Uber. Um, but if that novelty wears off after a while, it'll be interesting to see what sort of signals Google and, in this case, Amazon will be using to try and push that that usage up in the future. Well, I'm not sure why the novelty would would wear off at all, Emily. Like, uh, was was it just the other day that Amazon allowed you to turn you turn their device on by calling it computer, much like you would in in the Star Trek universe? Right. Yeah, I, and I think I mean I I have a Google Home thanks to to Mobile Moxie that I I love and I use it all the time. Um, sometimes it turns on when I don't want it to, and I think that that's a little bit creepy. But uh, you know, other than that, it's it's really fantastic. Um, I think that the article I was reading was talking about those third-party app use cases, though. So not your standard, you know, hey, Google, what's the weather like today? But um, but but something more 
involved with the brand. So like calling an Uber or using a specific music service to do something or using a specific uh, travel booking service to book something. Um, those types of third-party apps, they're saying right now are not getting a ton of engagement or not a ton of lasting engagement, which I found interesting. It kind of surprised me um, as it's really different from my personal user experience. But um, but it'll be in interesting to see what happens. I mean, this is a really young technology. Um, I think that at Mobile Moxie, we've been talking especially about with Google Home. One of the interesting things is that Google's really come out and said that Google Home, as we know it right now, the assistant part of Google Home, as we know it right now, is really not their end game product. This is a data gathering tool so that they can actually build the assistant that they want to build. And they're calling this period of time Literally, I kid you not, in quotes, the transition. And during the transition, a whole bunch of people purchased <laughs> that's, this that's product. That's not spooky at all, is you know, it? You can Google this. I mean, they're very public about it. But yeah, I mean, the, all of us who've purchased this product are basically feeding data to them so that they know what to build for people to be happy with the product of the future. But right now, the product that we've purchased and that we're using isn't really the end game product. It's sort of like this test device. And I think that that's really fascinating. Um, I think that it, there are a bunch of great articles about this, but there's one interview in particular where they talk about this transition that's really worth everyone's time if you're interested in, in AI or in the voice UI of Google Home and understanding what they're trying to do with machine learning um, in terms of the Google Assistant. It's really fascinating. Well, and also earlier, you know, we were talking about search and having just one result or with, with devices like that, you get just one result sometimes, and that is largely based on schema and Google's entity understanding, or in some cases, Alexa slash Amazon's entity understanding, and that's something that Ashley knows a lot about. Um, tell, us, tell us how that plays into it, Ashley. Yeah, I think it, I mean, it really feeds into that larger concept of modularization. So that instead of Google spending all of its efforts crawling every bit of random code, trying to ascertain information and crawl constantly to see what's updated, between both of these, they're chunking it out. The schema helps them to understand exactly what the content is rather than making assumptions. And then, you know, hosting in the cloud makes them know when they get an update and when they have to go back and recrawl. It actually makes Google's job as crawling, indexing, and pushing data out there a lot cheaper, um, which could be a whole different motivation for all of this as well. Well, right, because the information is only growing, right? 90% of the world's information was made in the last two years. And so Google's job to crawl and index it all is getting more and more impossible, right? No, I, I'm going to, and Ashley, I'm directing this one at you because I haven't heard enough from you on this on this one. Um, John had come out earlier in the in the week, what, well, whole yesterday ago, um, and had come out basically saying AMP's not a, a, a ranking factor, but if an AMP page is canonical, then it's used for site quality. What does this actually mean? A, why would I use AMP as the canonical? <laughs> And B, how is it used for site quality, and how is that not a, a ranking factor? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of confusion and controversy around that post. You totally baited me there, and I'm going to fall <laughs> for it. Um, so AMP is not in and of itself seen as a ranking factor as far as I know. So you're not going to get a boost just for serving AMP but you are gonna get more visibility. Um, you're also providing more testing grounds for Google and they're gonna see your stuff and crawl it faster because it's in their system and on their super fast caching servers. But I honestly don't see how it can't impact ranking if for the very basic reason that speed is so important to UX and so important to getting your message out there more broadly for people that don't have access to fast connections. So I understand where it's coming from the AMP in and of itself isn't a ranking factor, but I feel like there's a lot of gray area between that statement and what we're seeing in reality. There was also um, a good post today by Aleda Solis who said that AMP is bringing in more traffic for the sites that she's done data testing on, but less engagement. So maybe we are seeing faster and more traffic, but what are the long-term repercussions of jumping into AMP as well? Well, I think that the AMP pages may not be actually sharing the engagement data back to uh, wherever we're getting our metrics as much as they are straight to Google. Ah, good um, point. 
But but also, I think that it's mincing words when Google says that AMP isn't a ranking signal, like ranking signal in huge air quotes, because <laughs> as long as you don't like notice the AMP carousel that floats to the top every time and count that as a ranking, then no, it's not a ranking signal at all. If you don't, like ranking number one, but that's not a ranking signal. Ignore in that. Insofar as knowledge boxes are also not ranking signals, but obviously right. you're capturing more interest. Right. Okay. We're down to our last two minutes uh, before, before probably even less than two minutes. Um, five years from now, the old HTML website, will it exist? Well, well, the question I think really is what you think of as old. I think the new HTML website will certainly exist. Hmm. Um, there's a lot of really exciting stuff going on on the web right now. I think that you know, if you followed me last year, I spent a lot of time talking about new great features that were available to native apps that they never have, you know, never had had before uh, that made them able to take advantage of things that websites previously were only able to achieve. And this year, I think it's quite the opposite. This year, we've seen websites um, being able to take advantage of features that were previously only available to native apps. Um, and so I think that, that you know, it's coming back to the beginning of this of this great show where Cindy said, hey, you know, there's really a convergence here. Really, the lines are blurring. And this year, especially, I think we're seeing how web web apps, but just websites in general, are stepping up their game and becoming really a great technology again. And Jim, I'm going to be more direct and I'm going to say no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I think that like a flat file, like website that's not dynamic it's it, the site itself may not exist as an entity on the web it may just exist in the cloud as metadata that we can populate to a variety of different devices whether they have screens or not yeah right i i think that we're we are seeing a trend where a lot of the data is being separated from the ui um and is being sort of packaged into more of an API type format or things like that, where you may not actually have the, um, you, you as a developer may not be developing the UI that you want your information to be consumed in, but you are still trying to develop your service. Okay, I wish we had another hour to talk, but alas, we don't. We are out of time here on Webcology, so... Cindy Crum, Emily Grossman, and Ashley Berman-Hale, thank you so much for, uh, for, for joining us from, from, from Mobile Moxie. Um, Cindy, last word to you. Is there any message you want to get out on, on uh, mobile or on apps? Uh, you have about 30 seconds. All right, awesome, yeah. So Emily was just mentioning the importance of APIs, and I want to let everyone out there know that Mobile Moxie is just about to launch some uh, APIs that do mobile search emulation, and mobile uh, page emulation, and they can be used to get not only a variety of different phones, but also locations down to the city and languages to preview search results um, from a phone, like a variety of phones standing here, standing there, in this language, in that <laughs> language. Um, and they're, they're pretty darn awesome. And they'll be launching here in the next, hopefully, few days. Um, okay. Congratulations, Cindy. Um, Cindy, Emily, Ashley, thank you for joining us here on Webcology on the 26th of January 2017. Friends, stick around, Cranberry.fm. There's amazing content coming up after the news, but Dave and I are out of here. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Thanks. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited.